Hello, my Christmas friends. This is Jake, and this is Exhale with Jake, and this is the third installment, the third Christmas spirit, uh, the third chamber of the heart that makes up Christmas spirit. A lot of different ways to say uh, this is uh, the third spirit, which is going to be peace. And I'll be honest with you, um, for some reason, this one seemed a bit more of a daunting task for me than I first thought. Um, And I know it to be true. Uh, you know, Christmas spirit, peace is probably one of the top things other than joy that you're going to see at the top of the holiday card of the family that you know. It's just above their heads, the big and bold and peace above them. It's certainly a Christmas spirit, but how to explain something that we all know, but so very rarely, at least for me, experience on a consistent level. So again, I'll start with the definition. Um, peace is freedom from disturbance. Quiet and tranquility. You know, it's interesting that peace is set up this way because it is immediately set up with what's not there. It's almost like an absence of something, you know, is the best way to describe it. For instance, when I think of peace, I think of absence of problems, issues. Again, this is outside coming in sort of thing. And if someone walked up to you and asked you, how do I experience peace? Let's say an alien lands and they just want to know, how, how do I experience peace? What would you say? I mean, it's a tough question. And I feel like more than joy and wonder, this one has been stretched out from one end to the other. You know, we seem seemingly live in a very polarizing climate right now. You know, so peace is typically referenced in nostalgia. And I don't know if any of you have read the letter that George Bush wrote to Bill Clinton for his first day of office, but it's beautiful. And it just has this sense of peace offering in it. And next year, uh, 2020, will be an election year. Uh, but I just want to read you guys this letter. I, I just love what he says. And this is written in January 20th, 1993. This is written on White House official, White House official stationery. And the note reads, January 20th, 1993. Dear Bill, When I walked into this office just now, I felt the same sense of wonder and respect that I felt four years ago. I know you will feel that too. I wish you great happiness here. I never felt the loneliness some presidents have described. There will be very tough times, made even more difficult by criticism you may not think is fair. I'm not a very good one to give advice, but just don't let the critics discourage you or push you off course. You will be our president when you read this note. I wish you well. I wish your family well. Your success now is our country's success. I am rooting hard for you. Good luck, George Bush. I mean, I get I got chill bumps just reading that, just because there is a true nature of kindness and peace. And, you know, when you think about peace, um, it's really about sometimes the way that this note is even referenced is that sometimes it's about two sides coming together. Um, you know, that's wonderful. And I think that's part of peace. But I think what, I ta- what I'm talking about when it comes to Christmas, the spirit of uh, peace is this internal barometer. It always kind of comes back to this inner world that we have. And if you think of your heart with chambers, which the heart has four chambers, then peace is the third chamber, as I said earlier. And I know for me, when I've experienced peace, it is typically because my life at a moment in time seems to be fairly calm. 
Maybe it's something I was really worried about, concerned about, that was fixed or absolved. And maybe that night I slept pretty well. But what makes me sad is to think that that's the only time that I'm going to experience peace. Because as we all know, problems and issues are part of our existence. So if we're waiting on peace to come from the removal of these, we're going to be waiting a really long time, and the spurts are going to be short. I think to get peace, it really has to be an active stance. It has to be an active way about our hearts, and it has to have this, you know, peace has this association that it's passive, that we just need to remove all these things, and I think to get it, it's actually going to take more of this active posture. And the active state of peace is letting go. Let go of what? Let go of what you're holding on to that's not allowing peace to come through. It's kind of like I talked about in the last episode, where is this? there's this inner light always. It's just in there. I believe it's our divine nature. I believe it's who we are at our truest essence. But over time, maybe we've put some branches and leaves over it to cover it. And now we're kind of in the dark a bit. Well, I think that peace is there. And I think it's already in all of us. We just have to remove some things we've put over it to let it arise, much like joys. Think of peace. Uh, all of these things as floating, kind of like a floating ball. And if we tie that ball with something heavy, then it's going to sink all the way down to the bottom. And I think it actually wants to surface, but why on earth would we tie something heavy to something we so desperately need? So what is the weight that we can begin to start cutting? Um, And I think the weight is the attachment to suffering. And, And I've heard someone say the attachment to suffering And when I heard someone first describe that, uh, that I may be attached to my suffering, I thought it was absurd. You know, who in their right mind would be attached to suffering? But it's because I'm clinging to something that something has to be a certain way. And that's what's clinging, and that's what clinging, and that's what attachment I'm talking about. What am I clinging to? Well, for one, it's the way I think life ought to be by God. And any judgment that is a percent off, for instance, if I have a tough night with my little girls or if I'm a little short or angry with them, I start clinging. I start getting heavily attached to the father that I ought to be. And maybe you know someone, maybe you're that someone who really needs to have things all in the right way or they just lose it. Like hosting a party and you find out that the napkins weren't the ones that you wanted and and now there's a group of 20 people that are coming over and you just lose it. Is it about the napkins? No, it's not about the napkins. It's about the attachment, the clinging to the person that doesn't forget the napkins. And when you can, you know, just forget the napkins, you know, if if you're the person that forgets the napkins, then what does that say about you? If you can't even get the napkins right, well, it says you're imperfect. You know, we can laugh at this because most of us don't have a passion for napkins, but I promise you there is something we're attached to some ideal version of ourselves or the parceling out of our lives that we're attached to. So one very heavy anchor that kills the floating of peace is clinging to this ideal version of life, this ideal version of yourself or your relationships. In a way, perfectionism. You know, nobody will ever self-diagnose as a perfectionist, 
But we live in a Western society, and you don't have to be a 100% perfectionist to be a perfectionist. For instance, nobody really deep down is a 100% perfectionist, but you may be an 85% perfectionist. What I mean is your job's going well, your kids are doing great, but your partner or your marriage is just not up to par. So on a grading scale, you give yourself a failing grade because those percentages don't add up to over 85%. So we cling. And when we cling, we just weight the ball down and it sinks and we wonder where peace goes. And I think my common complaint uh, to this was that, well, so what do I do? I mean, just not demand a lot of myself? I mean, what will happen then? Do I just pretend these inadequacies inadequacies don't exist and not work to improve them? Um, you know, what do I, and if I do give up, then I'm just going to be broken, poor, and live under a bridge. But here's where the shift is. When we find ourselves in this situation where something feels like it has us, we feel like this thing has to be fixed or else there's just no peace. But imagine for a second that whatever this thing is, is a rope in your hand that is being pulled, and you just can't stay present or be peaceful until this freaking rope stops pulling you. And if we can take a minute to think that maybe, just maybe, we're not being pulled by this rope. Maybe, just maybe, we subconsciously picked up the rope, went and tied it onto something, and we're the ones yanking it and pulling on it and getting blisters and calluses on our hands because we went and put it on something. And if we can allow ourselves to think that, then it frees us up to realize that we are the one creating the attachment and that it's our attachment, not the thing that is creating the tension in the rope and creating the tension in our life. I guess what I'm saying is that we always have the power to drop the freaking rope. So just think for a minute on an area of your life that seems to have a hold on you something that you think about often, something that nags at you, something that is incomplete. Maybe it's a goal. Maybe it's a dream. Maybe it's having all the napkins at a great party. Maybe it is even having a wonderfully perfect Christmas. Now imagine that that something, it's just a something. It's just a goal. It's just a dream. It's just napkins. Imagine that you're kind of tired from holding this rope around it. And if we're honest, it freaking hurts. Our hands are callous and blistered and just worn out. So imagine going over to this something and just slowly taking the rope off of it. And then maybe we look down at the rope, the visual attachment, and we just drop it. We drop the rope. We actually have to drop the rope because if we don't drop the rope, we will very quickly, maybe even subconsciously, tie it to something else. And it's back to blisters and calloused hands. So if we can allow ourselves to consider dropping the rope, maybe the little floating ball of peace can float up to the top. And when we see it floating to the top, we realize that it wasn't something that was sinking it. We can realize it was our own rope that was keeping it down. And if we lighten our grip on that rope, the ball just floats a little bit higher naturally until we finally have the courage to just drop the rope and the ball floats all the way to the top and we allow ourselves peace. It's a weird thing to think that you're not allowing yourself peace, but that's what's happening. And guess what? We still have our goals. We still have our dreams. We forget about our napkins, but we're not tied to them because we're giving our hands a break this season. We're going to let them heal, and maybe as our hands start to heal, our hearts will quickly follow. 
And who knows, maybe in the new year, we can continue giving our hands a break. And before we know it, we forget about the rope entirely. But for now, it's enough to give yourself a break and allow some peace. Drop the rope and watch as over the season, that little ball of peace starts to float to the top and that you realize that it was there all along. Take care of yourself. Take care of your loved ones. Take care of your dreams. Until next time, my friends.